0: As a vibrant part of campus life, our chapel gathering at Trinity Western creates opportunities for us to hear and be changed by God's story in Jesus through music, teaching, prayer, scripture reading, and storytelling. We're glad you're listening in today. We hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. My name is Patti Victor, I'm um, Stalo from Chiam First Nation, and I'm so glad to be here with you on the traditional ancestral unceded territory of the Stalo people. I know that many of you are, are not locally here gathered. But consider what is the territory in which you are gathered today, and just acknowledge that in your own home or where you're at today. And so, as the University of Siam, it's my privilege to, to teach at the University and to provide learning opportunities for all of us about um, our shared history, about Stoller culture and worldview, and also in this walk of reconciliation that, that God has called us to. So today I want to, to share a story, and it's Phyllis's story, and it's a story that, um, that is One story about one child among 150,000 children who attended Indian Residential Schools in Canada over 150 years. And Phyllis is one child who lived to tell her story for over 6,000 children died at the Indian Residential Schools. And so before I get into the story, let's just pray. Father, today we just thank you. Thank you for this time and opportunity that we have to share together, O God. Thank you for the space that has been created for us to come to listen, to hear, to understand, O God. Thank you, O God, for the space that's been created, O God, for Holy Spirit to speak to us, to transform our thinking, to transform our lives. And so, Father, today we just entrust this time into your divine care. Lead us and guide us by your spirit, I pray. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen. So since the mid-1800s, when the first school opened, until 1996, when the last Indian residential school closed, indigenous children were removed from their homes and from their families, and taken to Indian residential schools. Attendance was mandatory, and parents were fined or were imprisoned if they failed to follow this law. The Indian residential schools were funded by the federal government and run by the churches. In June 2018, Prime Minister Harper, on behalf of all Canadians, apologized to Indian residential school survivors. Acknowledging the treatment of Indigenous people was wrong and had no place in our our country. He committed all Canadians to move forward in a new relationship with Indigenous people and that Canada would be stronger if we learned to walk in respect and in reconciliation. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, traveled throughout Canada over a six-year period to document the truth of the poor conditions and mistreatment experienced by the children at Indian residential schools. In 2015, the Commission gave their final report and 94 calls to action. Through the courage and resiliency of 80,000 survivors, their stories were told, their stories were heard, and their stories were documented. And these were stories of lack, lack of nutritional food, lack of good education. There's stories of abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, mental abuses, stories of loss, loss of culture, loss of language, loss of identity. And all these stories pointed to the motive behind the creation of the Indian residential schools. And that motive is to kill the Indian in the child. The motive is that intentional systemic um, path of assimilation and colonization. Phyllis's story was told at a Truth and Reconciliation gathering in 2013. She tells of her excitement as a six-year-old girl getting ready to go to school. Her granny took her shopping for a new outfit for her first day of school, and she proudly brought a shiny orange shirt. When she arrived at the school, this orange shirt was removed from her, never to be seen again. From this experience, 40 years later, she still recalls the pain and the shame. The feelings of a six-year-old girl didn't matter. Her family connection with her granny didn't matter. Her desire to return home didn't matter. Everything that she had been taught by her elders, her values, her beliefs, didn't matter. And Phyllis tells her story so that others will understand that all children matter. Today, I'm, I'm wearing the orange shirt that I had bought um, for this occasion. And on my shirt um, is two footprints. And on the footprint is written the words, all children matter. The color orange to redeem that hurtful experience that Phyllis had experienced on that first day of school. Scripture tells us in Psalm 127, verse three, that children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb a reward. Psalm 139, verse 13, so it says, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb precious pieces of scripture that speak to us as children of God, that we are important to God. But as I read this scripture, it reminds me that all children are precious to God and all children matter to God. So today, as we wear an orange shirt, we wear it to to show our support of the Indian Residential School survivors. We wear an orange shirt to acknowledge this dark history, to acknowledge the intergenerational trauma caused by this history, and to acknowledge the courage and resiliency of Indian Residential School survivors. Today, we wear the orange shirt to remember. But it's more than a day of remembrance. It's a day of reflection and it's a day of response to the calls of action. We need to pause and reflect, where are we at in this journey? What does it matter now that we know some of the stories of this dark history? I want us to remember that this is a shared history. This isn't just an indigenous history, but this is a shared history. And because it's a shared history, we need to ask ourselves, what about my family? What part did my family play? What part did my church play? What part did my community play? then we need to pause and consider where are you at in this journey of a new relationship? Is it even a new relationship? Are you still holding on to biases and prejudices? Do you still think about indigenous people in those stereotypes that you grew up with? We need to pause and ponder and reflect. What is my responsibility? What's my responsibility as an individual? What's my responsibility as a family, as a community? What's my responsibility as a church, as a follower of Christ, as a faith community? We need to pause and consider and ponder What is our responsibility as a global Christian university? Chief Justice Murray Sinclair, the chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, states that education got us into this mess and education will bring us out. Education is key to understanding and reconciliation. Prime Minister Stephen Harper states that we need to develop a new relationship, a relationship of mutual respect, of mutual understanding. A stronger Canada is a place of reconciliation. But I want us to consider this. Even before the call to reconciliation in 2008, By Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Even before the call to reconciliation in 2015 by Chief Justice Marie Sinclair, Almighty God has called us to walk in reconciliation. I'd like us to to read together a portion of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning in verse 14 it says for the love of christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised from now on therefore For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So as we consider and reflect upon this portion of Scripture, it starts out with, it's the love of Christ that compels us. When we became reconciled to God, God placed his love within our hearts. It abounds within our hearts. And as followers of Christ, as a faith community, we are called to reflect that love of God to others. When I think about the portion of scripture where it talks about the old is gone, but behold the new has come, we need to consider that newness in our thinking thinking about how do we regard indigenous people? How do we um, walk with indigenous people? How do we walk with people who are different from ourselves, who don't look the same as us, who don't act the same as us, who don't speak um, the same as us, who may come to God and worship God in, in ways that are different than what we're familiar with? What do we do with those? When I read this scripture, it says to me that God says that we are to reflect God's love and that we are to love each other. And that walk of reconciliation is a walk of love. It's a walk of righteousness. And so as we read this portion of scripture, it tells us that because we reconcile to God, that he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. A ministry that it's the way that we think and the way that we speak and the way that we live and the way that we learn and the way that we walk together with others is to be the way of reconciliation. He's given us the message of reconciliation. Our lives is that message of reconciliation. And when I read that last portion of scripture, it says that we might become the righteousness of God. That tells me that the walk of reconciliation is righteousness, that right standing with one another and right standing with God is that, that, foundation of reconciliation. So that tells me that as an educational faith community, Trinity Western University has a responsibility to be intentional about acknowledging our shared history. But it needs to go further than just acknowledgement. We need to be intentional about developing partnerships with indigenous community so that indigenous ways of knowing and being become part of how we live and how we learn together. Acknowledging the land as I did at the beginning of of our time together today creates space for us to walk together in a good way. Because acknowledging the land is acknowledging our history. It's acknowledging the truth that indigenous people have lived on this land since time immemorial. Acts chapter 17 speaks to when God places people in a place to honor him. And for me, that's the foundational piece that God has placed Stalo people within Stalo territory and that we are live to live together in a good way together. Not just with other Stalo people, not with just other indigenous nations, but also with the settlers that have come to this territory, that we are creating space for all of us to live together. So we acknowledge our history. Uh, when we acknowledge the land, but we're also acknowledging the present reality that all of us are here together, that not no one of us is going anywhere else, that we are here to journey together. So acknowledging that Indigenous people are here present today and that settlers are here present today and finding ways to walk together, walking in ways of love and understanding and respectful relationships. It also, as we do the uh, land acknowledgment, acknowledging that we are committing to continue to walk together in future relationships as well. As I stand before you as as a Stolo woman, that part of our teaching is, is that I bring the teachings of the elders to the present. But also, I don't do it just for the present, but the teachings and the foundations that we're laying today is going to have an impact on future generations. And in our culture, we talk about the seven generations before us, and the seven generations yet to come, and how we live today impacts both. You know, Chief Justice Sinclair has been very vocal about how education is the key to walking this journey of reconciliation. And educational institutes have a sacred responsibility to ensure that all students regardless of their heritage, are able to think about four key questions throughout their education. Who am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? And why am I here? It was the failure of the educational system through the creation of Indian residential schools and other government policies that deliberately and systemically prevented indigenous children from even to be able to explore that first question, who am I? The reconciliation journey is part of the education journey. Education is what got us into this mess and education will get us out. What a challenge. But what a hope is that together, as we lay down our stereotypes, as we lay down our prejudices, as we lay down those things that, that we've done in the past and commit to walk together in a good way. You know, in, in my work of education, Um, not just here at the university, but with churches and, and, and public schools and independent schools and other organizations, I get to hear a lot of excuses. I get to hear things like, well that's history, just get over it. We're in 2020 after all. Or I hear the excuses, well it wasn't my church, it wasn't my denomination that was part of the Indian residential school system. So I don't have any responsibility towards that. Um, I hear from people that are new to Canada and say, well, I wasn't part of that. I wasn't even here in Canada at that time. Therefore, I have no responsibility. But as I read scripture and I hear the challenge that was given is that we all have a responsibility. God has created us and he's created us for purpose. And we have a responsibility to walk together in a good way. We can't do it in our own thinking or by pulling up our own bootstraps, but we can do it by surrendering to the will and to the ways of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a creator. I thank you, oh God, for every residential school survivor Today, O God, wherever they're located, Lord Jesus, that this is a difficult day for them, O God, as they remember and as they they see the trauma upon their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren because of this history, O God. But Father, we lift up the survivors to you today. We lift up indigenous families to you today. We ask, O oh God, that you pour out your spirit of love and healing and wholeness upon each one, oh God. That, Father, that the cycles of intergenerational trauma would be broken by the power and by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we ask, O oh God, for that healing to continue within indigenous community. I pray, Lord, for Trinity Western University community as we've gathered today, O God. That, Father, that we would hear this truth, O God. And, Father, that we would be willing to to hear with understanding ears. That, Father, that we would be willing to see with eyes as you see, O God. And, Father, that we would be willing to submit to your call to walk, and that we would walk in righteousness, and, Father, that justice and mercy, O oh God, would be the, the foundation of our walk, Lord. And so, Father, I thank you for this space that has been created for us to journey together. Bless your children. Bless your people. Lead us and guide us by your spirit. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship with you at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with chapel and student ministries by following us on Instagram at TWUchapel and at TWUstudentMin. Much love.